Hey everyone. So just a quick note, as I explained elsewhere, this is a little bonus episode. It's it's a little bonus episode that I actually first recorded last September. I didn't get around to releasing it back then. It's all about Meredith and her rage towards Jen. Um, so I'm releasing this now um, to tide you over until my next full-length episode. And um, as I mentioned previously, um, I think that this actually does bear relevance to what's going on right now, as we can see Meredith still has quite the charge when it comes to Jen. So I hope you enjoy this, and I will see you guys soon. Hi, and welcome to Deep Dive with Jamie Stein, where we take a deep dive look at all things reality TV, pop culture, and the world at large. I'm an intuitive and an empath, which means I pick up on the thoughts, feelings, and energy percolating in other people in the world around me. I believe there is meaning waiting to be found at every turn, if you're willing to see it. So join me as we dismantle everything from trash TV to high spiritual concepts and learn more about ourselves, each other, and how we're all connected. Hey guys, uh, coming at you with what we might consider a bonus episode of Deep Dive with Jamie Stein. I'm just wrapping up my hiatus between seasons one and two. I actually just recorded my first episode of season two. It's a deep dive into the Real Housewives of Potomac and in particular the relationship between Wendy and Miss Mia. And I'm editing that now, but I decided to hop on here because I was I was watching the latest episode of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and just found myself having all sorts of feelings about everything that's going on between Meredith and Jen. And I, I found it to be one of those situations that just felt like such a clusterfuck, uh, which is not uncommon in the world of The Real Housewives, uh, a situation where it just felt like multiple, multiple things were true at once. And it was a situation where I felt like no one's hands were completely clean. And in that place, I found myself getting a little bit frustrated and a little bit overwhelmed because I was sitting there watching it and watching the different narratives that were being written. And I just found something inside myself. I felt something inside myself that was practically screaming, I've got things to say about this. So um, with that said, I thought I would take to my trusty little Zoom recorder and just kind of do an on-the-fly solo episode, going into my thoughts and observations on what's unfolding so far on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So with that said, I'm going to jump right into it. So first things first, I want to really get into Meredith and Meredith's role in all of this. Um, I, I, <laughs> I have major reservations and concerns with how Meredith is navigating this conflict, um, and I want to get into it. Let me just preface this by saying that everything I'm about to say is in no way an endorsement of Jen's behavior in the situation. And I, and I am going to touch on Jen in a little bit. Uh, but just know I'm not defending Jen. I'm not on Jen's side. I'm really not on anyone's side. Um, but I do feel like there are things here for Meredith to look at that she's not presently looking at. And um, that's what I want to start by dismantling. I think... One of the things that's frustrating me about Meredith and her approach to the situation is that she's really, really not taking 
any ownership of the role that Brooks played in this situation. And there's a way that she's writing a story now where basically Brooks is just kind of this defenseless, innocent victim to Jen's brutish behavior. And I don't think that that particular narrative is of service to her, nor do I think it's really of service to Brooks. And I think part of the urgent voice in me that has something to say just wants to acknowledge, first and foremost, that Brooks isn't a child. She actually called him a 20-year-old child at one point in this episode. And I want to say 20 years old is not a child. Um, He is not a minor. He is a legal adult. Um, And not only that, he is a legal adult who who chose to go on the show. I mean, it was clearly a conscious choice for him to be involved. As we all know, last season, there was an entire storyline about his, um, you know, his line of athletic wear. He clearly wants to use The Real Housewives as a platform for fame and, you know, for getting his name out there, which, you know, God bless him, more power to him. But this is not an underage teenager or adolescent who's on the show just because his mom decided to be on the show. He clearly had real choice in coming on to the show. And I think what I want to say in addition to that is the genesis of this conflict between him and Jen. And I'm going to speak to events that happened last season. And full disclosure, I've not gone back and watched the episodes. So maybe I'm misremembering. And if there's a way that I'm getting it wrong, please feel free to message me. And maybe there's stuff we didn't even see, um, you know, that, that, that wasn't sort of included in the actual episode. All I can really go on is what we were shown in the actual footage. But I want to say that last season, um, Brooks did speak disparagingly about Jen. Uh, there was a moment where Jen came over and at this point, Jen and Meredith were still friends and Jen was being, you know, a bit of a showboat and she was doing a little comedic number. It involved sort of kicking her legs up on the couch. Personally, I, I didn't get a flash of, you know, what was going on under her skirt. Brooks claims that he did. And, you know, he claims that it made him uncomfortable. Um, but what I want to say about that is Brooks definitely had no hesitation to speak about that on camera. And he spoke about it in a way that, from my point of view, wasn't particularly generous or kind towards Jen. It didn't really give her the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he was speaking about it in a way that felt, I would say, somewhat shaming. It felt disparaging. Um, And I want to say that Meredith kind of went along with it. And um, I just think that that's interesting information. You know, I want to say that personally, um, I would think that if I had a child, if I were if I were filming a show and I had a son who was 20 years old and he got on camera speaking about one of my female coworkers and talking about having seen her vagina and that it made him uncomfortable and that there was a certain tone to it. I personally would probably veer him away from that. Like, I just feel like there wasn't really an awareness from either Brooks or from Meredith that this is going to be embarrassing to Jen. I mean, again, if I'm to put myself in these people's shoes, if I'm Jen 
And I'm joking around. I, I personally don't think that Jen was intentionally trying to make anyone uncomfortable. I don't think that she intentionally tried to flash anyone. I think if there were some sort of like indiscretion to that end, it was entirely unintentional. And I'm just sort of putting myself in her shoes. And if I'm in someone's home who I consider to be a friend and I'm joking around and let's say I accidentally flash their 20-year-old child... I just know if they then were speaking about it in a certain way on camera, I would feel humiliated. You know, I would feel embarrassed. I would feel shamed. I think it's interesting that that's the way Brooks went about it. Um, And again, I think it's interesting that Meredith kind of just let it happen. Um, From what I remember, too, and again, my memory might be murky about this, but from what I recall... Brooks spoke somewhat disparagingly about Jen and I think basically intimated that he would prefer Meredith not to be friends with her or he played some sort of role in Meredith not going to a sleepover event of Jen's and she used her kids as a reason or as an excuse of why she couldn't go. And it's just interesting because if I'm remembering this correctly, basically Meredith reached a point where there was some sort of discomfort with Jen, I think in large part because of the concerns that Brooks was expressing. But in typical Meredith fashion, you know, she who prefers to avoid direct conflict, she who disengages, she wasn't direct with Jen about it. And instead, she made up an excuse and she sort of pulled away. And again, if I'm not mistaken, I I believe Jen picked up on that. And I think that was part of what hurt Jen and then caused Jen in her place of hurt to get quite vicious. Now, again, I want to be very clear. This is not to defend how Jen (laughs) then decided to deal with her hurt. And in fact, this is where Jen gets into trouble. She's her own worst enemy. The second that Jen feels hurt, she thinks that that's a reason and an excuse uh, for her to just go for the jugular. And that's where she's going to get into trouble over and over. But just pulling back from where Jen went with it, Jen's reaction aside, I can understand if Brooks is speaking disparagingly about me and, and my genitals and kind of shaming me. And then Meredith's energetically pulling away, and she's not really having a direct conversation with me about what's happening. These are going to be hurtful things. And so as Jen, I can imagine that, you know, as this show is airing, and I I remember a lot of people really loved Brooks at first and were like, (laughs) uh, really just uh, celebrating him. I mean, for me personally, I I never really saw what the big, deal was he just seemed kind of like a sheltered 20 year old kid but I can imagine when you've been embarrassed by your friend's son and then to see him get kind of celebrated by the public at large I can imagine I can conceptualize how there would be a temptation for example when people do tweet in your support or when people do say things against him there might be a lower self young, vengeful part of you that would enjoy liking the tweet. Now, again, I want to be clear about something. I'm not condoning what Jen did. And I, and I, like I said, I'm going to get to Jen a little bit further down the line. But I just want to say, coming back to Meredith, it's like she's framing this narrative that Brooks is just this complete innocent victim to this big bad adult woman who's sort of being inappropriate with kids. 
And I just look at that and I want to say, you know what, Brooks, again, he's not a kid. He's a young adult. He's a young adult who chose to go into The Real Housewives. And then not only did he choose to go in The Real Housewives, he chose on camera to speak in kind of a shaming, disparaging way about one of your coworkers um, around something that's really vulnerable, a.k.a. accidentally flashing your vagina. And there's a ripple effect because of that. You know, yes, Jen's incredibly emotionally immature. Yes, Jen is incredibly inappropriate. Yes, Jen should have an understanding that she shouldn't engage with someone this way, particularly someone who is so much younger than her, particularly someone who is the son of one of her colleagues, friends, and coworkers. But it's not like Brooks didn't have a hand in this. There is self-responsibility for Brooks to take here, and there is also self-responsibility for Meredith to take here. And it's the it's the disowning of that that's really kind of um, difficult for me to watch. I mean, particularly there was a scene when um, Meredith and Brooks are speaking to Mary during Meredith's sort of casual fashion showing at her home. And she's literally clutching Brooks's arm and um, just speaking to how traumatizing this is for him. And I, I, I just feel like, again, this isn't really of service to Brooks. I feel like encouraging this narrative that he's just an innocent victim to Jen's outrageous behavior rather than encouraging him to look at the place in himself that decided to be kind of mean towards her in the first place, I think that would actually be of deeper support to Brooks to really look at like, okay, like you don't deserve what she's doing right now necessarily, but there, if you go back and you look at the way this whole situation unfolded, there was a part you played. And I, I just feel like this is a really important conversation just on a broader level in terms of this whole notion of we create our own realities. And that we manifest the circumstances of our lives. Because I think I know that this is something that's deeply misunderstood by people a lot. And I think the where people tend to go with this is that they, um, they think it means if something bad happens to me, I'm being punished by the universe. Or, yeah, that I'm paying a price for bad behavior. Um, and I think that that's like a, a sort of a, a very sort of over, oversimplified and at times toxic way to think. Um, from a spiritual perspective, spirit is not thinking about good, bad, right or wrong, punishment or reward. Everything just is, right? Everything is just energy. And so for me, and so what that means is we as human beings who have blind spots, we make choices, often consciously, more often unconsciously that keep certain energetic patterns in our lives going. So if I'm Brooks, I think there's interesting information for him in the place where he made a decision to not give Jen the benefit of the doubt, to not stop and say, hey, you know, maybe she (laughs) didn't mean to flash me. You know, I don't really know what's going on with her. So before I rush to judgment, Let me kind of handle this in a way that, one, can certainly acknowledge my discomfort if I was uncomfortable, but two, doesn't immediately judge, shame, and vilify her. Maybe there's a way that I can approach this that isn't just kind of dragging her through the mud on camera. And if I were working with Brooks, I think the real invitation here for him is to look at what what was it 
inside of him that chose to deal with it in the way that he did. Because I'm thinking if he chose to look at that, there is an unconscious reason why he chose that route. His willingness, if he were willing to see Jen as a human being who maybe made a mistake and to give her some kind of grace in navigating that situation, it would take him somewhere that would be difficult for him to look at or to tolerate. So in the place where Brooks is avoiding something inside of himself, where it's just easier to sort of make Jen the bad guy and to kind of like snarkily gossip about her on camera and to kind of get some sort of charge out of making fun of her in that way. That's masking something inside of himself. And if you were willing to look at where that impulse came from inside of him, then he's going to start getting clues about what it is he's avoiding inside himself. And so the reason why this is important from a manifestation perspective is, you know, Brooks is avoiding something inside his own energy. He's not fully knowing himself. And instead, he's taking it out on other people through passive aggressive cruelty. Well, when you're passively aggressively cruel to people, guess what? A lot of times they're going to fight back. And in this case, he's sort of getting he's sort of getting hit where, where he hit Jen. He kind of hit Jen in a place of, in a way, shaming around sexuality, around her womanhood, around her vagina. And now he's feeling hit in the place of my relationship to my sexuality. Not wanting to have something made public that I'm not ready to make public. Jen's feeling a similar way. I didn't want the public hearing about me accidentally flashing other people. So it's just interesting. I mean, I guess another really oversimplified way you could say it is like, you know, you sort of get back what you give. Brooks gave something and Meredith saw him give something and she let him give something. And now he's getting it back. Again, it doesn't justify Jen's behavior and it doesn't even mean Brooks quote unquote deserves it. It's just from the place of pattern from the place of energetic pattern, when we're unwilling to take responsibility for our side of the street, when we're unwilling to look at what's going on in ourselves, and instead we want to take it out on other people, well, guess what? That's going to come back at us in a certain way. Everything starts with our relationship to ourselves. So if there's a way that I'm avoiding something inside myself or that I'm kind of indulging meanness as a way to disown something in myself, well, guess what? The world is now reflecting back to me someone who is using meanness to disown something inside herself because that's what Jen is doing, right? Jen doesn't want to feel her humiliation. She doesn't want to feel her powerlessness. So instead, I'll get you. I'm going to get you, Brooks. I'm going to passive-aggressively like that tweet, and it's going to feel so good. This way, I don't have to feel, as Jen, where Brooks's kind of mockery and Meredith's silent endorsement of that mockery, I don't have to feel where that's going to take me. So Brooks kind of initiated this pattern of, let me use meanness to disown a deeper emotional experience that I don't want to withstand inside myself, and now that's what he's getting back. And by the way, I just think it's so interesting, right? Because it's like you even saw it in that scene between him, Meredith, and Mary, where Mary, and that's like a whole other topic, but you know, Mary kind of got in her little dig towards Jen when she age shamed her. 
right? She was like, this is a woman in her 50s. And I'm sure most people caught that. Like it was, it was, it was a little ageist dig. And did you see the smile on Brooks's face? I mean, he was loving it. He loved the little ageist dig about Jen. And I was like, this is why the way Meredith's handling this is not of service to Brooks because it's 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 this this in the same place where he's like a victim, it's also encouraging and fostering his meanness. It's not kind. And for the three of them to sort of be sitting around vilifying Jen as this monster and taking their digs and enjoying their digs, they're just as much in the mud now as Jen is. But they're lying to themselves that they have the moral high ground. So sort of continuing along with Meredith, what I think is really interesting for her in all of this is just seeing how deeply enraged she is getting around the situation. And I really noticed that. I think it was, yeah, it was last episode when she was talking to her husband. I believe his name is Sean. Is his name Sean? Seth. She was talking to Seth and at their little, you know, kitchen island. And as she was showing him the tweets, like, you really could start to feel her rage. And it actually felt quite good. I mean, I loved feeling Meredith's rage because Meredith, as we all know, her her default defense mechanism is to disengage. And I'm going to speak a little bit more about that in a second. But in talking about the tweet situation with Jen, I mean, she like the timber of her voice changed. Feelings started coming up. And when I when I saw her and I felt her in her anger towards Jen in that moment, I was like, oh, OK, I, I, I can feel what's going on here. I think what's going on with Meredith in this situation is that it's easier for Meredith to let herself feel her anger and her rage on behalf of her family than it is to let herself feel her anger and her rage on her own behalf. So, you know, this is a woman who, as we know, she will disengage before she'll deal with you directly. And it really feels to me like the moment, you know, conflict starts to get to a place that would sort of ask of her to be in direct relationship with her feelings, she's out. Now, she shared last season, I guess that her parents fought a lot. And so that she felt she had to kind of, I don't know if she said she had to play the role of the peacemaker, but she felt caught between them a lot and that she was in the middle and that there was a way that she had to kind of toe the line between them. So this is information, right? That Meredith sort of learned early on. There are these people around me who are having these strong, intense feelings. And as the daughter who's caught in the middle, I kind of have to disown my feelings. I have to toe the line. I have to keep things as calm as I can. So it's information about where she learned early on that, there isn't actually room or space for her feelings. So it's just best to disengage. And the thing of it is, if Meredith had an early experience of receiving messages either overtly or covertly, that there's not room or space for her feelings, particularly when the people around her, who, by the way, are supposed to be the adults, they get to have all their feelings, but she doesn't get to have her feelings. I mean, even just saying that, I can feel how outraging that must be. So I strongly suspect Meredith is someone who has a lot, a lot of underground anger that she's never allowed herself to fully go into. Because, you know, as a youngster, it would have felt forbidden. 
and like she'd pay a price for it, right? So now she's sort of carrying around that underground anger. She's navigating her life from a learned place of let me just kind of disengage from the more volatile situations. So when I say that it almost feels easier for Meredith to let herself feel angry on her family's behalf than it is to let herself feel her own rage on her own behalf. This is exactly what I'm speaking to. I think there's a mountain of anger that Meredith has never let herself express. It's probably started in childhood. And then, of course, because she's in this pattern of constant disengagement, I am sure there's accumulated and accumulated anger from all the different situations in her life where she didn't let herself have her voice fully. And I think what we're seeing here with Jen, even though she does have a right to be angry about some of the things that are going on, and I'm going to get to that in a moment, I think the charge for her around this, the charge for her is historical. And that's what's so interesting to me about Meredith is that it's kind of speaks to Jenny's point about her. She claims she's disengaging, right? But she's not really disengaging. It's not true disengagement. I mean, a true disengagement means you don't have any feelings about the issue. It means I'm disengaged. You know, it's it's like it doesn't affect me. We could see from Meredith's reaction out on that ice fishing lake, she has strong feelings about this. She has strong feelings about this. Just like she's had strong feelings about every situation we've seen her disengage from while she's been on the show. And so it's like when she says she diseng- she's disengaging, it's not actually an authentic emotional disengagement. What it is is this disengagement, my walking away is the vehicle for my rage. It's the vehicle for my feelings. And I again, I think Jenny spoke to that, that like Meredith is someone who will just cut you out the moment she's done with you, that's charged. And that's a vehicle of anger. And people feel that. People feel that. That's why I'm saying, I kind of understand why Jen was so hurt when Meredith kind of like passive aggressively (laughs) turned down her invite for the sleepover. Meredith doesn't want to be in direct relationship with her feelings and in relationship with other people around her feelings. And it's so interesting to me Again, in the place where we kind of reveal ourselves through the things we say, and also, again, in the place where we create our own realities, and in the place where everything starts with our relationship to ourselves, I couldn't help but notice what Meredith was saying on that lake when she was getting so upset, when she was screaming about, well, not screaming, but like very heated and upset about the deflection and the denial. I can't stand the deflection and the denial. But in a way, if you think about it, isn't her method of disengagement another form of deflection and denial? I mean, she's deflecting her feelings. She's denying her feelings. She's pushing them to the side and she's walking out of the room. And I wonder if part of the reason why she's having such a charged reaction to deflection and denial is in part because of the way she will deflect and deny from her own feelings. And by the way, why does she deflect and deny her own feelings? Again, I'm imagining it's because she had an early experience of having others deflect 
and deny her feelings. So Meredith's feelings get deflected and denied early on. She learns there's no space or room for her feelings. So as a coping mechanism, she learns to deflect and to deny her own feelings. And so now she's just furious about any reflection or notion of other people deflecting and denying feelings. I was so taken by her being so heated by the deflection, the denial, literally, as she's storming away, deflecting and denying the situation. And it's kind of like similar with Brooks. I just start to get really curious, you know, if 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 Meredith were willing to not leave, you know, and to sit there and to look Jen in the face and to deal with what's coming up, what would happen? And, you know, this does bring me to Jen because Jen does have a role in all this. You know, as I said earlier, you know, Jen is not an emotionally mature woman (laughs) and she does not deal with things in an emotionally healthy way. And yes, when she feels hurt, she goes for the jugular. And then when you try to confront her with the ways in which she goes for the jugular, she literally, I mean, not only does she dismiss it, she will outright lie about the things she's done. So, you know, I think Jen is a really interesting, um, she's a really interesting villain for this franchise because I feel like part of what we're seeing is the way in which all the different women get triggered in the face of a colleague, friend, and cast member who is unwilling to fully be in reality, unwilling to to take full responsibility for her behavior and unwilling to fully take in what any of them are saying. And I think it's so interesting. So like Jen is sort of sitting there almost as like this kind of like this sort of archetype of like she who will not hear you all the way. She who will not take things in. She who will not be in reality. And it's so interesting to see where it takes each of the women because you see it. Heather has her own response. I mean, and again, that could be a whole different episode, but Heather's basically saying, I completely see you for who you are. I'm choosing to love you anyway. Lisa has her own response. And I actually, I actually think I'm going to, I'm going to do something with this. I'm so fascinated by Leah's response to uh, Lisa's response to Jen, but you can see it. There's a way that Lisa is navigating the situation. And then you see that it takes Meredith somewhere. And I think where Meredith flew off the handle or where she decided to quote unquote disengage was that moment where Meredith was sort of bringing something very clear and specific to Jen and Jen simply wouldn't take it in again. She's just sort of denied reality. So here Meredith is in the face of someone who, you know, in her words is denying what she's saying, denying what's happening. And I just had this feeling for Meredith, that experience of the denial It's so painful for her that she won't let herself tolerate it. I have a feeling that if Meredith could actually stand there in the face of someone who's denying her feelings, denying her reality, denying the truth, and if she didn't disengage, she would have to feel all those feelings from her youth, from her adolescence, of how painful and heartbreaking and infuriating And how much of a betrayal it felt like to have her feelings denied. She doesn't want to feel that. I think it takes her to a place of powerlessness and deep vulnerability. And I think it feels intolerable to her. 
And I think that's why she will then go and disengage. But I think that's why it's so charged for her. And I want to say, like, in Meredith's defense, when she explained to Jen her issue about Jen, like the types of tweets that Jen was liking, and she got really specific and she talked about kind of like the impact it was having on her son. I have to say, like, I understood her point of view a lot more. Like when Meredith explained it calmly, I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is bad. She has a right to want this answered for. She has a right to get an apology. She has a right to state her case around this. My issue isn't with the fact that Meredith has an issue with the tweets. What I'm saying, though, is Meredith's particular charge around it, where she is framing Brooks as the innocent victim and Jen simply the big bad wolf, which then allows her to get so charged and heated around it. And I think then becomes a vessel for all this anger that I think much of it is anger she has never let herself feel. And I think a lot of that anger belongs to other people in her life, (laughs) not towards Jen. And by the way, in a way, Jen kind of has a point there, you know, in the sense of like, Meredith, let it go. Like you keep sort of beating me with this and beating me with this. Like, when are you going to let it go? I think the charge and the intensity is where I have an issue with the way that Meredith is dealing with this. I think that Meredith needs to understand that she has paid a price for her deflection and and her denial all along. And I think she needs to understand that Jen is taking her to a place of feeling that for herself. All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this little odyssey into the psych ecology and anger of Meredith Marks. There's definitely a lot more to be revealed in the months that come, and I can't wait to see where this wants to go. As always, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram, Jamie Stein, J-A-M-I-E-S-T-E-I-N. And if you're curious about my work, head over to my website, hollywoodreadings.com. You can read more about it there, and you can send me a message if you want more information. Okay, guys, as always, be well. Bye.